chapter twenty four of the silent battle by george gibbs recording by tony oliva this librivox recording is in the public domain diamond cut diamond it was the middle of march and fashionable new york having been at least twice through its winter wardrobe had gone southward for a change of speed aiken jekyll island and palm beach had all done their share in the midwinter rejuvenation but the particular set of people with which this story concerns itself were spending the last days of the lenten season at the dorsey martin's place in virginia dorsey martin was rich beyond the dreams of alnaschar but unlike the unfortunate brother of the barber had not smashed the glassware in his basket until he had sold it to somebody else when he was enabled to buy it in again at a much reduced rate his particular specialty was not glassware but railroads which while equally fragile could be put together again and made to all appearances as good as new the fruits of this fortunate talent were in evidence in his well-appointed house in new york with its collection of old english portraits his palace at newport just finished and in his shooting place in virginia the dorsey martins had arrived they had been ten years in transit and their ways had been devious but their present welcome more than compensated for the pains and money which had been spent in the pilgrimage the virginia place clovely adjoined that of the ledyards and consisted of a thousand acres of preserved woodland and dale within a night's journey of new york autumn of course was the season when cloverly was most in use but spring frequently found it the scene of gay gatherings such as the present one for in addition to the squash courts and swimming pool there was court tennis with a marker constantly in attendance a good stable and hospitable neighbors it was nellie pennington who had prevailed upon phil gallatin to accept mrs dorsey martin's invitation for she knew that jane loring was staying at mobjack the ledyard's place and she hoped that she might yet be the means of bringing the two together her interview with phil had been barren of results except to confirm her in the suspicion that nina jaffray held the key to the puzzle nina who had been one of the early arrivals at cloverley had so far eluded all her snares and Nellie Pennington was now convinced that here was a foeman worthy of her subtlest mettle. She enjoyed the game hugely, as apparently did Nina, and their passages at arms were as skillful and as ineffectual as those of two perfectly matched maîtres d'escrime. Nina knew that Nellie Pennington suspected her of mischief but she also knew that it was unlikely that any one would ever know unless from jane just what that mischief had been the arrival of phil gallatin while it gave nina happiness made her keep a narrower guard against the verbal thrusts of her playful adversary 
phil gallatin had regained his poise and reached cloverly in a jubilant frame of mind two days ago henry k loring had agreed to a conference mr leupold more suave more benign more patronizing than ever had called and told gallatin of this noteworthy act of condescension on the part of his client nothing of course need be expected from such a meeting in the way of concessions but men of the world like mr leupold and mr gallatin knew that cooperation was after all the soul of business and that one caught many more flies with treacle than with vinegar he continued for half an hour in this vein platitudinizing and begging the question at issue while gallatin listened and assented politely without giving any further intimation of a course of action for kenyon hood and gallatin but when the great lawyer had departed gallatin went to the window and surveyed the steel gray waters of the hudson with a gleaming eye and his face wore a smile which would not depart sanborn's case would never go to court the vestiges of this good humor still remained upon his face and in his demeanor all the morning which had been spent in a run with the warrington pack it was so long since he had ridden to hounds that he had almost forgotten the joy of it but he was well mounted and finished creditably nina jaffray showed the field her heels for most of the way and gallatin pounded after her his muscles aching determined not to be outridden by a woman in the first check she drew her horse alongside of his and smiled at him ready to let me announce it yet phil she asked gallatin just then was wondering whether his leg grip would last out the day announce what nina he asked our engagement she returned with a smile it's almost time you know oh go as far as you like don't laugh i've got to you make me so happy oh you can joke if you like now but you'll have to marry me some day oh will i why because you like me friendship subdues even time phil i'm willing to wait and when he looked at her at loss for a reply the hounds gave tongue again and they were off at a full gallop he couldn't help admiring her this morning the easy unconventionality of her speech her attitude of good fellowship were a part of the setting this was the scene in which she always appeared to the best advantage and she took the centre of the stage with an assurance which showed how well she knew her lines it was nina's brush of course for she had brought down her own best hunter for the occasion and was in at the death with the huntsman and master of the hounds while gallatin trailed in with the field and in the ride homeward phil found himself jogging along comfortably at nina's side phil she said again when the others had ridden on ahead i hope you won't laugh at me any more it's indecent i never laugh at you oh don't you you're never doing anything else it seems so doesn't it that's my pose phil 
i'm really very much in earnest about things i don't suppose i ever could learn to love anybody the faculty is lacking somehow but i think you know that even if i didn't love you i'd never love anyone else whatever happened and i'd be true as death yes i know that but but she repeated but i'm not going to marry he laughed she shrugged oh yes you will some day why do you think so because men of your type always do my type yes they usually marry late and beneath them i'm trying to save you from that mistake he smiled at her saucy profile marrying one's equal doesn't always mean equality you are always a dreamer phil i think i'll always dream then nina he broke in abruptly don't make the mistake of thinking that you've got to marry somebody anybody just because you've reached the marriageable age that's the trap that catches most of us marry for love nina you've got that much capital to begin on love doesn't die a sudden death not unless it's killed that happens you know you can't kill it easily you may scoff at it deny it wound it but it doesn't die nina she turned and examined him narrowly then shifted her bridle to the other hand and ran her crop along her horse's neck you know jane loring is going to marry coley what has that to do with what we're talking about he said quickly oh nothing only i thought you'd like to know it you'll have a chance to congratulate them to-night to-night where they're at the ledyards but they're dining at cloverley oh so if you're going to put them asunder you'd better do it to-night or forever hold your peace he smiled around at her calmly nothing doing nina you missed it that time the only things i'm putting asunder are a railroad and an omnivorous coal company that takes about all my energy phil she put in thoughtfully after a moment what what's the use of waiting you're going to marry me in the end you know oh am i yes you can't afford to refuse i've got the money position and father has influence that means power for a man of your ability you're getting ambitious i can tell that by the way you're sticking at things there's no telling what you mightn't accomplish with the help i can bring you oh you could get along alone of course but you'd waste a lot of time you'd better think about it seriously i have thought about it i'm really beginning to believe you mean it yes i do mean it i've decided to marry you and you know i've never yet failed at anything i've undertaken she was quite in earnest and he looked at her amusedly then i suppose i'd better surrender at discretion yes i'm sure you had isn't there a loophole none whatever i'm your superman phil you might just as well go at once and order your wedding garments and the ring it will save us endless discussions and you know i hate discussions they're really very wearing besides oh phil 
she laid the end of her crop on his arm just think of what a lot of fun you'll get out of letting jane know how little you care gallatin didn't reply and in a moment they had reached the stables of cloverley where the others were dismounting in his room to which he had gone in search of his pipe gallatin paused at the window looking out over the winter landscape thinking why not why shouldn't he marry her it would be a cold-blooded business of course but he called to mind a dozen marriages of reason that had turned out satisfactorily and as many marriages for love which had ended in the ditch this life was a pleasant kind of poison the luxury and ease the careless gaiety of these pleasant people who moved along the line of least resistance taking from life only what suited their moods living only for the moment sure that the future was amply provided for he had turned his back on this world for a while and had lived in another a sterner world with which this one had little in common a place like this might be his with its broad acres and stables horses and motor-cars a life like this for the asking a marriage of reason with nina jeffrey at the helm of his destiny and hers god forbid he had laid his own course now but he had weathered the rocks and shoals and the rough water in sight did not dismay him marriage he wanted none of it with nina or any other this kind of life was not for him unless he won it for himself for only then would he be fit to live it and while he found it good to be away from his rooms in the house in blank street good to be away from the office for a while the atmosphere of cloverley was redolent of his early days of indolence and undesire and he suddenly found himself less tolerant of the failings of these people than he had ever been before he hadn't realized what his work had meant until he had this idleness to compare it with jane he had been able to think less of jane loring in the fever of work but here at cloverley among the people they both knew where her name was frequently mentioned he found it less easy to forget her and the imminence of the hour when he must see her again gave him a qualm he lighted his pipe and started downstairs toward the gun-room where the guests were recounting the adventures of the morning over tobacco and highballs nellie pennington who had an instinct for the psychological moment met him and led him to a lounge at the end of the hall well she said are you prepared to give a full account of yourself an empty account dear mother confessor i'm neither sinful nor virtuous i'm not so sure about that about which about either you're unpleasantly self-righteous and criminally unamiable oh nelly to whom to me also you're stupid thanks that's my misfortune what else 
that's enough to begin on i could pull your ears in chagrin you've treated my advice with the scantest ceremony made ducks and drakes of the opportunities i've provided and lastly you've gone and gotten nina jaffray talked about nelly please i can't permit oh fudge phil nina is well able to look after herself it isn't of nina i'm thinking who then you you silly goose there isn't any spectacle in the world half so ludicrous as a chivalrous man defending the fame of a woman who doesn't care whether she's defended or not i don't see i know you don't that's why i'm telling you but nina does care yes but not precisely in the way that you suppose fortune gave her some excellent cards and she played them please be more explicit very well then girls of nina's type would rather have their name coupled unpleasantly with that of the man they care for than not coupled with it at all nonsense nina doesn't care oh yes she does she wants to marry you she has told you so hasn't she phil gallatin looked at her quickly with eyes agog such powers of divination were uncanny she has proposed to you once twice how many times phil none not at all he stammered while she smiled and shrugged her incredulity if i didn't know already i need only a glance at your face to be convinced of it how did you know how does a woman know anything by virtue my friend of those invisible spiritual fibres which she thrusts in all directions and upon which she receives impressions that's how she knows you guessed call it that if you like i guessed i guessed this also that nina wanted jane to believe this story to be true it didn't need much to convince her that little nina was willing to provide what nina admitted that the story was true she repeated gallatin rose to his feet and stared at his companion like one possessed nina admitted it you're dreaming no i'm very wide awake i wish you were it's preposterous whatever put such an idea into your head my antinny nonsense listen nina called on jane a while ago they had a long talk something happened something that has interrupted friendly relations they don't speak now what do you suppose that talk was about the weather or the plan for the amelioration of the condition of homeless cats oh you know a lot about women phil gallatin she finished scornfully i know enough he muttered you think you do she put in quickly the lord give me patience to talk to you for unbiased ignorance next to the callous youth who thinks he knows it all commend me to the modern galahad the one only thinks he knows but the other doesn't want to know he's content to believe every woman irreproachable by the mere virtue of being a woman 
nina joffrey has played her cards with remarkable cleverness but she has been quite unscrupulous it's time you knew it and it's time that jane did i would tell her if i thought she would believe me but i fancy i've meddled enough gallatin took two or three paces up and down and then sat down beside her it isn't meddling nelly he said quietly you've done your best and i'm grateful to you unfortunately you can't help me any longer it's too late i did what i could no girl who had ever loved a man could let him go so easily could doubt him so willingly it was all a mistake it's better to find it out now than too late nellie pennington didn't reply she only looked down at her muddy boots with the cryptic smile that women wear when they wish to conceal either their ignorance or their wisdom did you know that jane was dining here to-night she asked yes he replied nina told me i'm sorry it doesn't matter in the least the world is big enough for everybody jane evidently thinks so too otherwise she wouldn't be coming does she know i'm here oh yes she knows that nina is too gallatin looked out of the window you don't understand women do you phil admit that and i'll tell you why she's coming he smiled i do admit it you're all in league with the devil she's coming here because she wants to show you how little she cares because she has a morbid curiosity to see you and nina together and lastly at this she leaned toward him with her lips very close to his ear and lastly because she loves you more madly than ever he had hardly recovered from the shock of surprise at this announcement when he realized that nellie pennington had suddenly risen and fled this preliminary step taken nellie pennington retreated upstairs in the most amiable of moods to dress for luncheon if nina was going to play the game with marked cards it was quite proper that phil be permitted the use of the code she had at least provided him with food for reflection which while not quite pleasant to take would serve as nutrition for his failing optimism and somewhere in the back of her head a plan was being born unpalpable as yet and formless but which persisted in growing in spite of her End of chapter 24